It's absolutely yeah, actually, I'm like that when I uh, where I live in France. It's like that ground floor, so it opens out and you just have like a wall of windows, and it's freezing. Absolutely, you can feel like the 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 heat being lost. Like it sort of sucks out of the room. The, like the wall, you touch it and it's like an ice block. Unbelievably, but it's also like very old, like 1960s French plumbing. So just like nothing, no heat retention whatsoever. Yeah, there's a tiny radiator and like that square meter is warm and everything else. And that is literally it. Yeah, pretty much. Oh. You'd a cozy, cozy raid, cozy blanket, and yeah, try and forget how freezing it is. Actually, I don't mind at the moment; it's not too cold. <laughs> but I would like a bit more snow because that's getting a bit worrying. You really notice the effects of global warming when you're somewhere where yeah everyone's like, "Why isn't there snow this time last year? There was snow this time twenty years ago. There was snow." And it's raining, and it's raining at 2,000 metres, not 1,000 metres. It still bamboozles me that we live in a time where we we have all the information in the history of forever Mm. in our pockets, but yet people can still deny global warming. You know know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know if people... I mean, obviously there are people who do deny it. Trump. (laughs) Not to name names, but yeah. Um, It's fine, he's not listening, it's fine. Well, maybe one day. Um, But I feel like it's... We've gotten into our way of living and we know it's wrong. We know we need to do more, but we're so comfortable. Everything is so easy that you just don't. And you think, well, why should I if so-and-so isn't? Because we all need to do it to make mm. a difference. And yeah, it's just really hard to get that collective motivation. Although actually, fun fact, um, Costa Rica is... Um, wait, what's the fact? It's been running the whole last of the year, so 365 days, with 100% renewable energy. So the whole country has been running on renewable energy for over a year. Oh, that gives me such hope. Isn't that amazing? I mean, they've got 5 million people, so it's smaller than less population the size of London. But if a small country with relatively low means in comparison to the UK can make that happen, can action it... It's quite exciting. Obviously, it shows shows it's an amazing case study. It shows that it can be done. That's so cool. It is really cool, isn't it? Although they don't really need heating now because it's so warm, but... I mean... Aircon. Swings and roundabouts, though. Like, mm. Oh, that's so cool. That it, gives me such hope. It's like it's like when like, Denmark, Sweden, the actual Scandinavian countries, because mm. I would, um, was travelling around there last year, it's just seeing how good they are with their recycling and everything else. And just so like that, it's it's part of their like social consciousness. That's the thing that gets me, is the fact that here you've still got people who are just like littering in the street, but you would never see that yeah. in a Scandinavian country. Or if you did, like the, like the little grandma walking down the street would be like, you. It's an education piece, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? You just have to slowly, like, but almost by osmosis, because people don't like being told what to do, but if it slowly becomes the norm, they yeah. don't even realise, like, they're being told to do it, and then it just becomes their life. But yeah. if we stick all these posters up saying, like, you have to do this, people just naturally don't want to do it. So, I don't know, it's really hard <laughs> to figure out how to, like, seep it in. Yeah, it's, that's the weird thing, though, is when you say it like that, it makes it makes you realise that people are just generally assholes. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like... It's the whole thing, like, you walk through the park, it's like, see a sign, don't let your dog crap here. I was like, well, fuck you, sign. Yeah. <laughs> let my dog do what I want. Actually, just down the road, there's St. James's Park, and I, that's my usual, like, jogging route. I like to go, like, through St. James's Park and up through Green Park. It's so nice, so beautiful. Mm. Um, the only problem is, if you go any later than about 8.30, all the tourists arrive, which is fine, nothing wrong with that. But they just sit and feed the squirrels to the point where they're, like, climbing all over them. And all the pigeons as well. And you're like, these are just, like, these are so dirty, these animals. Like, and you just think, like, okay, you're here for one day and you feed a squirrel, that's fine. I have to live here 
and now I can't move because there's so many squirrels and just pigeons. too much going on yeah. yes there's just so much and they're, they're all getting really fat and they can't walk and just think there's signs everywhere just saying leave them alone it's just for one picture and then what are you doing to their habitat and then like yeah. fend, they can't fend for themselves anymore so I don't know it's a bit sad not just about the drumming route, but also, <laughs> also for the squirrels. <laughs> mostly, mostly for the squirrels. Oh, yeah, they are just all rats with floppy tails, though. They are sweet. They're, they're they are sweet, but <laughs> they're rats in cuter outfits. So let's Basically, just call them what they are. Um, I wouldn't want them climbing on me, though. So, right. I wonder if there's many tetanus shots going around after these all these tourists yeah. come to London. <laughs> well, okay. So, speaking of cuter outfits and not liking being told what to do by anyone, talk to me. Self-employment. <laughs> How did you get into doing what you're doing now? Um, oh, it's a good question. Well, it basically came out of trying to solve a problem. So I was in Marybelle for ski season the winter of 2017, 18? Wait, no, 16, 17. So two years ago. Um, and I noticed that all the women around me were wearing gym leggings under their salopettes instead of thermals, myself included. And I was sort of thinking, like, why are we choosing to forego warmth and wear something that is absolutely unsuitable for wearing A, in the mountains, and B, as a layer underneath something else. And it came down to people wanted to wear something that took them from breakfast to bed, and they wanted to look good in it. So in theory, what's stopping you from wearing woolly long johns all day? Nothing. But when you go down to breakfast, you're kind of wearing sort of baggy tights, maybe they're a bit see-through. I don't know. They've got the thermal aspect, but there's not much else there. Yeah. So being like the vain sort of self-obsessed generation that we are none of us wanted to do that so we were putting our nike leggings and all this stuff on um but the problem with those leggings is that big piece thermal insulating maybe if you're lucky they've got a nice blend that might give a bit of protection but other than that like you're kind of just out on out by yourself out in the cold um and they've also got all the <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate a fantastic that one in, yeah. i know fantastic um and then also they have all these features which are really great and really thought through but for london or just well for the uk or for the gym or for going around the park doing a jog or something yeah. so um all these nice paneling for example that looks great but then when you're wearing it with your ski boots over the top they really dig in and you get these horrible lines like imprinting onto your legs um, and then they have things like these lovely zips and pockets, which are great for putting your keys in and your phone or whatever when you're going to gym or going on a run. But, but yeah. you can't even reach them in your salopettes. So, and then they just dig in. So they're just all these things. They're so wonderful in the right context. So I was thinking, OK, what can I do to combine like the thermal aspect, which is so important when you're in sub zero temperatures and you're out all day? And also something that people actually wanted to wear. So I took like the thermal aspect of traditional leggings, traditional thermals, with the gym sort of aesthetics of what people were wanting to wear and sort of combined them. So we sort of stripped it all down. So no extra seams, no extra panelling, just like the bare basics. So really structurally sound. So you're not going to like be splitting your leggings, doing like a fancy move on the slopes, anything like that. But you're going to get like a perfect, like no lines, just really comfortable but with the thermal insulating qualities as well, with fun prints that you, you can wear all day long. So it feels like gym leggings, but with the, the extra impact of having something really nice and warm that sort of looks after you when you're on the slopes as well. Yeah. So that was the idea. Um, and then we've done a couple of like casual wears, so like after, after you've been out and sort of snuggle up with, and we stopped sort of that kind of line, and now we're going into these more like hardcore even warmer, like those freezing cold days, which we haven't had much of this season, so I'm hoping 
for a massive cold spell because otherwise it's going to be pretty hard to market these things. But <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that was such like a weird experience that like your ability to model your um, pro, uh, market your product is completely dependent on weather. Yeah, it's so English. Don't you just love it? No, no. Like we just spend our whole time talking about weather. Now, like my livelihood depends on it, which is quite funny because this summer as well, it was so hot. So all my friends are saying, like, oh, like, how are sales? Like, is it all going well? I'm like, well, first of all, summer selling thermals is quite hard anyway. This has also been the hottest summer since, like, 1962 or whatever. So it's been, like, pretty dead in the water. But, yes, it's really picked up as it's such a seasonal business. Like, you're not expecting to do much over the summer. It's all about preparation for the next season. So doing your sampling and getting the right factories and getting the marketing and the PR and all that fun stuff. Yes, anyway, so this season we've launched a brand new collection, which unfortunately I don't have any samples with me. I did think about this, but it's a podcast no one can see, so it's fine. So if you go into my website, www.hholdness.com. Which will be in the comment section. <laughs> yes, you can have a look. Um, just put a brand new photo shoot up, so all updated, all beautiful, all there. Um, so basically, they're the same the same style of leggings in terms of like the structural integrity the minimal seams like thermal insulating extra comfortable that sort of thing but they've also got a brushed interior which means they feel like slightly fluffy um then that just adds to like the warmth of it as well so they're a super 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 warm they're special thermo fabric so high high tech stuff um, and they've also been finished with an antibacterial treatment, which doesn't sound that sexy, but actually... As, as someone useful. who lives in thermals and compression gear, I completely appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, instead of having to wash them like every couple of days, they stay fresh for so much longer. And I think lots of people um, aren't lucky enough, like I am, to live out in the mountains. So you go for a week or you go for a long weekend and there aren't any washing... Um, not dishwasher what am I trying to say like laundry yeah, no, yeah there's no laundry or if the, the last thing you want to do is like lug all your stuff to the local one and put a couple of euros in and wait for an hour when you can be just enjoying your time um, so having something that you don't need to worry about and you literally just pack them they're fresh all week like feel great and then the end of the week like give them a wash and you're back in the UK just makes life so much easier so I've I had loads of people just loving the new technical stuff and including um, we've got a lady who works in the US, <clears throat> the US ski team. So the oh wow, yeah, the official US ski team, and she's one of um, she's on the communications um, panel. So she's out all the time on the slopes every single day, and she's just saying that she's absolutely like hasn't worn anything else, never washes them, which sounds horrible, but like you just don't need to. Yeah, it's but that's a like, hell of an endorsement. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's been really exciting to see her just like out and about with them. So that is so cool. We need some more people like that. Oh no, we've we've been getting lots of quite interesting traction, which is really exciting. Because it's one of those things where people don't quite they either get it and they're like, oh my God, I just understand this product. I understand the pain point of why it needed to be created and all this stuff. Or people just like well, I just wear like my woolly tights, so I don't really care. And I'm like, that's fine. We'll try and convert you. If not, you know, maybe in five, four years, five years yeah, time, yeah. we'll get there in event. We'll get there eventually. We'll get like, there eventually. You're the, you're the kind of person that just like eventually gets into the sales funnel somehow further down the line. Yeah, it might not be today. It might not be the season. But, but we'll get you. I'll target you. <laughs> I will get there. So, I mean, how did you sort of get into um, snow sports and skiing and everything? Just because what I find fascinating here is the fact that this is obviously something that's been a huge part of your life because it's an issue that you've experienced. You know what I mean? Mm, Dealing yeah. with this like lack of appropriate attire for the sport that you love. So like, walk me through that. How did this whole thing sort of start? Your like your love of the mountains and snow and everything else. Oh God! Well, I think I've always loved being outside, and when I was a child, I was never particularly 
traditionally sporty, but I've always loved skiing and I've always excelled in that. Then, but I was crap playing rounders or lacrosse and stuff. And then since um, I've left school, I've just like really embraced sort of sports and outside activities, or whatever, as a, as a whole. And I now like love being outside, love going to the gym, mixing it all up. But skiing has been sort of a constant throughout my life. I've just yeah. always just gravitated towards it. Um, and I think having spent a couple of seasons sort of in the mountains all the time, you've become a, a more aware of the, these pain points that you wouldn't necessarily notice if you were just there for a week or so. Um, and then I think probably also having a French boyfriend who's in mountains all the time as well probably has helped sort of <laughs> live yeah, right. back to France. <laughs> um, so when, he, when he's listening to this, he's going to be like, yes, yes, out, I have. Shout out, yeah, shout out. <laughs> um, actually, um, that's been really good as well because I've since then, since I've been out there, I've learned French. I speak almost, I wouldn't say fluent because that's... Sort of, fluent's become a really no, bold statement yeah, hasn't no, it in like I, the I, I've, I've Stone never, generation I've never described myself as fluent but very capable which has been really useful in terms of like my business no one skis in the UK you know you need well in Scotland a little bit so the market is in France is in Switzerland it's places that don't necessarily speak English as a first language yeah. so being in the mountains more learning more French and stuff has really sort of helped broaden the business into different markets I wouldn't be able to if I hadn't had this language side as well yeah yeah god I just love France so I love the UK but I love being away you know France France is just such a beautiful country especially being like amongst the Alps do you have one fixed location that you like to go to or is it sort of multiple places um at this moment I'm based in Le Plan oh lovely which is really sweet yeah it's actually a little village just off it's in the it's in the ski area um, it's called Morshvan Lakosh, and it's tiny, and I'm basically, like, the only Brit in the village. which oh, is really, so cute. Which is really sweet, but also, like, challenging French-wise, like, um, but very good as well. Um, but so that's sort of my base, and then I've got, like, events all around the area in the, in the Alps, so I've got a little van, so I'll be driving off to Avoriaz in a couple of weeks. So we've got um, an event with Shred Scheme, who basically have taken the uh, university ski trip model um, and repurposed it for like young professionals. Um, right. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, they've got a whole week planned um, in the first week of January, and we're doing like a special like yoga snooker thing with them. So that'll That's be really so exciting. Cool. And we've got a massive one. They've got a huge trip to Val I believe in March or April, and we're going to be doing all the outdoor yoga and Pilates and whatever, whatever fun stuff. It's all enjoyable at the moment, but. All that fun stuff is going to be eight holderness does. Yeah. That kind of I, thing. And I really like that's the, first of all, snoga, fantastic word. But yeah, it's, I wish I came up with that. No, I know, no, it's so good. No. I hate when that happens when you find something that you think you, like, you've like originated oh, and you're like, oh, damn it, someone, someone far smarter than me has got it there first. But what I love is the fact that you're taking, you're taking which, uh, an, an industry which from the outset most people think is just apparel based Mm, or technical clothing based I should say but you're starting to integrate it more into a lifestyle business because being involved in like the ski resort and ski retreat and fitness retreat side of things it's from my side of the industry I've seen that there was this huge boom in sort of like Marbella retreats and everything you know outdoorsy retreats and everything where it's basically you're going to go on a traincation somewhere hot somewhere sunny whatever but it's just training there is no actual sort of general activity yeah. side of things and I think that's so important because something that we talk about on the podcast a lot is the fact that it's it's all well and good pushing people towards going to the gym more and doing everything else but it's in terms of actually having a cultural impact on you know um, childhood obesity the uh, obesity epidemic that we have throughout our, our like adult populace 
little mm. bit to change in culture. It's making people more active across the whole. Yeah, and finding I agree. a way to make that more sort of uh, more central to people's understanding of what quote unquote fitness is. Yeah, just making it fun. I think that's completely, completely it. And I do realize that obviously to be able to ski, it's a, it's a luxury. You know, of it's not um, it's not everyone that can afford to do it, and that's important to realize as well. That it's yeah, it's a lovely thing like to look forward to and to incorporate in your regime and stuff. But it's not something everyone gets a chance to do. So finding ways to get my power out into other sort of areas and other parts of the fitness world is really, really exciting. So, for example, lots of people use, you, you make something and then people are like, I'm just going to use something else, like, which is fine. Like, I love it. I love hearing all the fun ways that people, all the fun different activities people are using in quote unquote ski wear. Yeah. In the UK, we're just like doing fun stuff. So we've had like loads of people horse riding. Um, in the leggings and the tops and stuff, people playing golf, people running, like outdoor activities like that, like on those freezing cold days, like getting a nice thick pair of leggings on and just sort of not having to worry about freezing. And like that's, you know, when you're on a jog and the only motivation is like, I'm absolutely freezing to death, I need to get back to the car. So you run really fast, but you're enjoying it. Um, What else have we had? Um, People suggested they might be going, um, using them uh, as surfing leggings. Because, okay. Yeah, so you know when you don't, it's not cold enough for a wetsuit, but it's um, yeah, it's a you want something. House, yeah. yeah. So some people were saying that they're going to be using those um, in the for Easter. So I'll let you know how that goes. So, yeah, definitely. You know, a new line potentially, a summer summer business. But yeah, it's just really interesting, and I think that's um, why I'm so excited to go into like, the snogger thing. Is that it really um, is a great way to show off the product and show the versatility of it. And it's so accessible that like anyone can get outside and grab a mat and do a bit of yoga or do a bit of Pilates or whatever it is, even like, you know, hit training outside. Yeah. In the winter, it's, it's freezing. Like You need some stuff. That you, it's not your summer gear that you can put on. You need something a bit more like substantial sometimes. So I just love seeing all these fun ways that people are using our stuff. So it's really exciting. That's really cool. And especially like you're in the situation where you're letting the, the people who are buying your product dictate sort of part of the growth of the business which I think is so key I think that's where a lot of people really miss a trick and I think why like Nike for example and Lululemon have done so well because they've started with a base level of products and then they've just as as their like buyership has increased mm. that's dictated where the business has gone because like Nike was all just running stuff originally yeah. and now it's everywhere it's in everything no it's so true and I think if you told me this time last year um, your main focus this year is going to be like snooger wellness retreats. I would have laughed at you because it just didn't didn't seem like even viable with even what people want to be using it for this. And just by listening to what people are telling you, what your customers are telling you, can completely change a business idea. And I think the beauty of being a small business is that you can really pivot very quickly to adapt to these ideas. Where is it if you're a hunking great? I don't know sweaty betty or something like, yeah a giant yeah you do have a lot you've got a lot of power in other ways to make your mark but in terms of making those like snap decisions and just being like okay we're gonna like pop down the valley and jump on that yoga festival late like next week you can't do that in the same way when you're really small and versatile yeah so i think yeah that's been really exciting and just yeah if the customer is telling you to go in one direction you'll be stupid to turn your back and not listen to them and say no no i'm right you're wrong because the customer at the end of the day like that's how your the whole the whole brand is possible oh, yeah, people of buying it so if you're not going to listen to them 
it's yeah I don't I don't see how you can survive really yeah no I completely agree and I, I think it's also one of those things where like especially from my experience like when I first got into like strength training and everything it was very much like that was just part of my like school culture that was you know that was fine so you wore like your school PE kit and whatever and it was nice to have a uniform because that's just you know what you do mm. but then as like I've grown older and moved out of education it's very much a case of I have grown to appreciate the value that having very good high quality gym gear mm. does for me like not just from that psychological aspect of like you know look good feel good Mm. but also you know I put on my armor I know that I'm not gonna have to worry about having like pull my shorts up constantly or having something that's ill-fitting um to what extent have you found there to be any sort of struggles with sourcing like the right fit and stuff like that because I've, I've got no clue how one goes about doing this you know what I mean like you find like the model that you want to use for your different mm. sizings and you have to go and find the fabrics and everything yeah. else. Like, walk, walk me through that. Oh, it's a lot of trial and error. And I, I'm not an expert in this by any means. Like, my background is sort of split between design and geography. So I suppose ski wear, mountains, like, ski... It All kind, kind of, yeah. Kind of in a weird way works, but I'm not, like, um, sort of traditionally trained as a design, a textile designer anyway. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is sort of been based on me, like as the whole brand started because like, I wanted something that I felt was missing, and I just keep saying to myself, if it doesn't work, you know, at least you've built something that you like yeah. that you can use, so it's not just going to waste. But luckily, people are buying it, so it's great. But if all else failed, it was just for me, just having a really good supply of leggings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good way of looking at it, actually. I like that immensely. And just loads of Christmas presents, you know, just like whack whips about every year <laughs> until I die. Um, yeah, so I've I've based it all on I consider myself to be a fairly normal normal activity levels, normal sort of body shape, just if it I don't want I never wanted to go down the route of I'm gonna find the most beautiful model of legs up to here and whatever and I'm gonna base it on her because that is not my customer. I mean some of yeah, it's for everyone, like correct luckily. Um, fits all shapes and sizes which is great I love it it makes fitting so much easier than doing tailoring because I did briefly do tailored um, silk suits and women absolute nightmare trying to get the fit so I think this is why I've gone into lycra based products now because anything goes I I say to my um, my customers if you want a small you can go to an extra small you can go to a medium like that's the beauty of the stretch it depends how you feel most comfortable in it so I suppose the answer to your question is when you're trying to find the right fit it's having First of all, do you like it? Is it fit on you? Because that's always a very good indication. Because yeah. even if it's a beautiful print, or whatever, if you put something on and it just fits weirdly, chances are it's going to fit weirdly on everyone. Unless it, like once in a blue moon, it's just you, and that's just life. But most of the time, if it's like I don't know, the crotch is a bit strange, or the leg length is really off, the stitching feels strange. Anyone else who puts those on are going to feel the same as you yeah so yeah make sure it's great for you um and then just have choice and have different sizes because if like you don't need to worry too much about having like extra long legs or extra short legs or whatever it's just okay try this on if it doesn't fit try the next size and process of elimination but yeah definitely glad i'm not in the tailoring industry anymore because that really does drive you insane yeah, I can imagine. I mean, have you, because from what I've seen of your website so far, like women are kind of your primary demographic. Have yeah. you thought about moving into making menswear or? Yeah, no, I'd love to. And in fact, I have all these designs, like beautiful designs drawn up um, to go into seamless menswear products. But the problem is, um, as a small business at the moment, I just don't have the scale to. Of course. 
to move into that right now, but something I really, really would love to do because this isn't just like a pain point for women. Lots of men would love some great thermals that felt good and they could walk around the chalet and afterwards, like why not? But at the moment, my core demographic and my core audience is our women, so yeah. that's what I'm focused on. But I would love to, love to, love to go into men's stuff, children's stuff, like maybe get some socks in there. I don't know, you know, sky's yeah, the limit. Yeah, yeah. There's so many exciting things to do. And the lovely thing about the ski industry is that it's relatively um, slow and old, if that makes sense. So, <laughs> As everything quintessentially British is. Yeah. No, but you have um, the gym, the gymwear industry in London, or just in the UK, it's just so fast moving. And there's always a new brand with a new this and a new that. And it, I, from my perspective, anyway, it's become quite saturated. Like the Gymshark has sort of taken over and then you have all these like brands trying to do a similar yeah. thing. You know the, the CEO of Gymshark is like 25? Yeah, I know. It's really it's depressing. It's so it? depressing. Like, yeah. he pops, like, <laughs> one way or another, he seems to just be on my Instagram feed constantly. I mean, they're doing an amazing job. Like, hats off to them. I like, think it's stuff. incredible. It looks amazing. People are buying it. Like, what's not to love? Um, but, yeah, in, in the ski world, things are just... Fashion doesn't really exist in the same way it does in the big city. And, like, yeah. there's a couple of really big ski brands, like Ross and Yol do like, everything. They do the skis, they do the jackets, they do like, the hats, everything. So they've got all these massive players who, as we said earlier, it takes them a long time to move and adapt. So it's really interesting coming in as a very small, small, tiny player into this world where there's a bit of space, which is so rare in most like fashion industries. Like Normally it's just so saturated, but finally I found something which you can move in and you can really have an impact without having to... It's still a fight, so you still have to really... You know, oh, God, yeah. But it's not nearly as hard as... If I was, I don't know, just trying to set up another gym wear company in London. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. So, if, yeah, I think I'm lucky in a way, but also maybe it's when people aren't expecting innovation and change, that's quite hard to get into people's heads as well. They've, they've got their favourites that have been favourites for years and yeah, years yeah. and years. So, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's hard, equally hard just because people are so set in their buying and purchasing patterns that... Oh yeah, no, and I don't know. <laughs> no, but it's one of those weird things where you you find that you may be producing a, a superior product because it's actually directly purposeful the thing yeah. they're you know otherwise repurposing other products for. But like you said, because that's their that's their brand. Mm. It's like I I know that like I'm a marketer's dream because I could not wear like Nike tracksuit bottoms with Reebok shoes. Like I am. The, I need I, the full kit. <laughs> no, honestly, it's awful. Like, I'm that guy, but mm. I can imagine it's. As you said, it can be quite challenging to go and sort of change. To break the cycle, yeah. yeah. I think that's where it really comes down to collaboration. Um, and people, as I said with the lady who's in the, who works with the US ski team, people who are in the right place, who, can, who love the product and live, live in it, you know, and they can show the people that, okay, your old stuff's great, but have you seen this new brand? Yeah. That's exciting. So yeah, the right people and then doing the sort of events just to just really get yourself out there. Because otherwise you're doing it all online and you're kind of in a bubble and then you look at your stats and you're like, is anyone actually going on my website? I don't know. Like it's just, some days yeah, loads yeah. of people and sometimes you have nothing. So it's really important to step out from behind the screen, I find especially, and just get out there. And whether it's your handing out flyers at like a ski event or whatever or you're doing like a full pop-up for a couple of days it just it's all part of the process and slowly people just pick up on it and I've had people emailing me being like oh I saw you at this thing like I'd love to get something for my girlfriend and I didn't even realize that they'd even like 
seen the store or whatever. So it, just, it doesn't, sometimes it really feels like you're treading water and nothing is sort of working. But it always, it's, it's all working in the right direction. It all does get there eventually. It just takes time. So yeah, you have to be really positive and like focus on like the big picture, not like, oh God, I was expecting to sell so much yesterday and I didn't get anything. But then four people email you the next day. So, you know. Yeah, and then they buy four things each and it just. Yeah, and they tell their friends and then they get something. So it. it it's, it needs to be flexible, yeah. definitely. And and that, I think, leads back to what you were saying about having that versatility in the way that you run your business and the mm. way that you can be so much more social. You aren't sort of like... You don't have the uh, the Wizard of Oz effect where it's just, you know, the person the behind the screen. Touch, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, Especially in the way that like social media, I think, is moving towards that point where people want it to be a lot more personal, mm. if you know what I mean. That people are trying to get back this, you know, uh, this soft touch. Yeah. Where they're actually getting in, in, getting to talk to people behind the brand. Like, mm. you have the ability to go and actively talk to your customers because you're at that sort of initial start point. Yeah, now, obviously, yeah. like you said, Nike don't have that level of versatility. But at the moment, because you can be so mobile, you've got sort of real-life, um, real-time feedback from the people who are buying your products and ultimately sort of see the huge amount of value that mm. you're trying to push, especially but- from, like, an activewear point. Yes, no, it's, it's so important. And especially the people who don't get it, being able to see um, them face-to-face and you, like, just even watching someone like, go around your store or whatever and just seeing, okay, why aren't they getting it? Like, what's, what's wrong with my voice for that customer that they don't understand? Is it using the word base layers instead of like long johns? Because like my parents' generation they haven't a clue what base layers are because that's a relatively new term. Yeah. Whereas like long johns, they're like, oh, I get it. Now I understand the product. Otherwise they have no idea. So it's really interesting just, yeah, not focusing on what people do get, but what focusing on what they don't get and how, and talking to them and how to explain to them the idea to the point where they're like, okay, now I understand. Now I want to purchase. Yeah. It's all just such trial and error, which, yeah. Is exciting as well because I think if you're set in your way and you've got your financial plan or whatever, and you're going to say from now till next January, I'm doing this, 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 and this, you might have it be a roaring success, it might be amazing, but you might miss out on some really incredible opportunities, whether they bring money or whether they're just really interesting and you get a lot of value personally out of it. I think it's uh, you can't say which really is like you need a balance of both, you know, like of course, it's about having a passion and wanting to get up in the morning and do it and if you're solely focused on churning out whatever and you're not you're losing the the excitement and the personal value it gives you because like yeah. these are you know it's, it's hard I'm sure you understand like, oh, you work hours that no one else is working and often you're doing it by yourself so you don't have anyone else to turn to if there's a problem so it's it's a lot of pressure whether anyone else really cares or not but like you're you're there all the time so being able to find like the joy out of it I don't know how else you can you can do it. You have to you have to get the enjoyment. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I think it's it's one of those things. I, I was talking to my uh, my brother about this the other day. How a lot of people in sort of the fitness space, the active wear space, and sort of the industry as a whole, we're not trying to be the next Joe Wicks. We're not trying to be the next Lululemon. We're all trying to be our own individual successful businesses that ultimately are driving our brands because we love what we do. Not because we're trying to become, you know, these multi-million um, dollar or pound conglomerates, mm. which I, I think is very telling of like the millennial. I hate using the word millennial, but like the millennial I never culture. Know who is a millennial? I know. I know. Apparently, like, the best thing I've got friends who are like in their thirties that are apparently still millennials. I don't get this, but you, but you know what I mean. We're definitely not Gen I. 
but we're... What's Gen I? I only found this out the other day. So, like, the the generation that are, like, going into university now, like, the people that have never lived without I the internet. Was, like, gen, and Gen... Gen X? Zex. Oh, Z? I don't know. X, uh, I get so confused. The, the young ones, because we're too... Okay, we're the too, young we're, ones. The young well, ones. Okay, okay. Yeah, the young ones. But, like, we're in that sort of generation in the middle where we've seen the rise and fall of all these really big companies and we've gone... We've basically oh, spent our entire... Were worse. No, yeah. I know. But, like, we spend pretty much most of our entire adult lives in a recession, so it's not part of our... I know it's just terrifying, <laughs> but it's one of the things where, like, we want to go out and do something which gives us more value than can be necessarily associated to how many zeros in our bank account. Yeah. Like, money becomes a mechanism by which we want to go and do other things and experience other things as opposed to, I'm going to buy my fourth house. Oh, no, completely. I couldn't agree more. I think just looking around at my friends especially, no one is even remotely able or thinking about getting on the property ladder. Like It's just out of our reach. So people are working towards like an amazing holiday where they go travelling around Borneo or whatever. Yeah. Like, and, it, yeah, they're working for personal pleasure, selfish as it sounds, but, you know, this is, you've only got one life, so if you're just going to be slogging it out for a four-bedroom house that you're going to be miserable in what's the point and I think that's also the joy of this the generation whatever generation we're in we're not sure um is that all these jobs that were never previously available or like to do anything entrepreneurial was such a huge risk and it, it still is a risk and it's still very hard but you needed loads of capital behind you and you had to go to the bank and get a loan now if you've got an idea you can start almost for nothing which is really exciting so yeah. people can make money making things that they love and doing things that they love rather than having to sort of sacrifice everything to do it and hopefully it works, or just to plug away and hate their life. Not everyone obviously hates their life who plugs away, but you know, yeah, so much I, more flexibility now, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's one of those things where like, I, I think we kind of get stuck in this weird dichotomy of you either work for the weekends to do the things that you love, mm. or you are happy to work through the weekends yes. for the things that you love. Sometimes I just crave a desk, though. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes, like, I just wish I was, like, in a corporate environment where if anything went wrong, I could just, I don't know, email HR. I don't know, do you know what I mean? (laughs) And you're like, no, but, like, that's such a... You always... Grass always green on the other side. And I love, like, I love doing what I do, and I'm so lucky that I am able to do it, so... Yeah, I I think it's very much one of those things where, like... And I say this to all my friends who aren't self-employed when they talk about their jobs. I'm like don't get fooled into thinking that I love what I do 100% of the time. Like, there are days where I just want to do a Hemingway and drink in the afternoon yeah. until I'm numb. But You should come the, to the mountains. No, I know. <laughs> you would love it. But I know, just at risk you the whole time. But it's, it's one of the things that, like, if you aren't committing to what you're doing to a level where sometimes you hate it just a little bit, you haven't really committed hard enough. Um, yeah, I mean, the amount of nights I'm just lying in bed just with questions and things I have to do and just stress in my head. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? And then you just get like a little success and you're just like, wow, that was completely me. And I like, there's no one else to pat on the back. Like I did this and it's such a, the ups and downs are so much more extreme. Yeah. You hate it sometimes so much, but then you love it so much as well. And I think for me, that's what keeps it exciting. Whereas before when I was just, I worked at TK Maxx and buying merchandising, I loved it, but it was just sort of plateauing a little bit. And now it's just, yeah, it's really good. It was really bad, but it's, sort of, it's addictive in a way. Yeah, no, it, and and that's the thing. Like, it, it really is those little moments of clarity, isn't it? Mm. Like, I had a client. Um, he basically hit a massive, um, a massive goal where he deadlifted 150 kilos, and he's not the biggest chap in the world. Like, he's about 70 kilos, 
But um, that I'm was. Just say it. I'm a stone person. I have no oh, idea no. what you're telling. Oh no! Oh, don't. Basically, he, basically, he's not the uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he lifted multiple times more more than his body okay, weight. Okay, got it. Got um, but he, when I first got him, he had two rotator cuff tears, was coming off the back of a hamstring tear. Like, he was in an absolute shit state. Mm. And when I said to him, right, this is the goal. You're going to be able to do all these things. Him was going, nah, that's never going to happen. And then over the course of days, weeks, months, and eventually years, yeah. seeing him get to the point where he's achieved more than what we initially said in our first consultation, mm. that's that's it. Yeah, it's so exciting. And it's that weird clarifying yeah. moment where you're like, that's it. Like That's why I get up and do it. Yeah, yeah no, it's so true. And I think those are sort of moments of success and gratification that are so hard to find in the non-self-employed world. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Because like, I think there comes a point where it's like, yeah, I won that big account. Doesn't necessarily match up to I help change a life or like I'm I not created claiming something. Okay, I think you have more life-changing okay. things. I just get people in like you know, fun and functional thermals. <laughs> no, but, e- but equally, like you put someone in a situation where they can feel strong and confident in the things that they're wearing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I, know, I know there are people out there who will be listening to this and go, oh, yeah, it's just clothes. But that's that's your armor. That's your uniform. That's, like, mm. so much of how you express your identity. I will say that thermals are very underrated. I would uh, agree. But um, they also stop you getting frostbite and then potentially losing limbs. I know this is a bit extreme, but, you know, the but th- thermal insulation matters. Yeah, I, um, I had frostbite in my toes and, um, yeah... It's not pleasant. You have a lot of blood thinners, so sort of get the circulation oh, back. God, would not recommend horrible. it to anyone. So yeah, give, so what, give what thermals hap- a key. What happened there? Um, I just basically um, stayed out all day um, in the mountains. It was about minus 30. Um, didn't go in for coffee, didn't go in for lunch, and then didn't go out for next week afterwards because I was in absolute agony, couldn't put shoes on. It was awful. But weirdly, it feels like they're burning, which is a strange... I think when people um, die from hypothermia, they initially get very, very cold, and then when they're sort of turning yeah. slightly mad, they think they're boiling, and they take all their clothes off, and that's how they die, really. But, yeah, I can understand that sort of madness, because it felt, like, really, it was so hot, but it was, like, when you touch them, it's freezing. It was the strangest thing. Yeah, so since then, I've learnt my lesson. So, yeah, wear really good thermals and really good socks. And if you're cold, just go in for a coffee, you know. No one's telling you, like, you have to stay out all day. And, like, in the gym as well. Like, if you really can't get that last, like, 10 minutes on the treadmill or that last, like, 5K deadlift, whatever, yeah. like, do it another day. Like, no, if it's going to really impact what you can do the rest of the week or the rest of the month because you're going to get yourself injured or just mentally it's just really going to block you, you're your own boss. Like, you don't need to do it. And I think that's such a true, like permeating lesson for life especially like in work as well where it's like okay do I need to be in the office for one more hour or should I go and take some time for me Mm. like all those all those kind of things and it really is that like age-old management adage of like prior preparedness prevents piss poor performance you have that little bit of auto-regulation for you yeah isn't there a Scandinavian country where they um have a three-day weekend but actually their productivity is higher than the UK because you work within your time frame if someone says okay you've got four days to get everything done you stop like having those little chats like I mean maybe the work environment isn't as fun but you get a three day weekend so I think yeah you can squeeze a lot in when you need to you don't need to do that extra hour necessarily I want to say it's Sweden I feel like it might be as well it's either Sweden or Denmark because they're so close together I think it's one of the two it's one of those like really progressive Scandinavian countries everything seems better than 
the UK. <laughs> in, in fairness, after being in Copenhagen for a while, I can I can guarantee that it is better than the UK. It's more attractive around there. I don't know what it is, but like, yeah, when you go to Amsterdam as well, I just like God, Dutch people are just so much better than us. It's all like it's all, but that's the thing. It's all that base level of activity. Like they never drive anywhere; they just walk. They're constantly well, yeah, active. They do what they want. And they look like you know they're glowing. I know. It just makes me <laughs> but that's the thing. I like, walk around London. I'm like, the, the people of London seem to be a testament to how hard the human body is to kill. like a pigeon yeah it's really hard (laughs) but that's the thing you walk around you walk around London and the same thing in Cardiff you just walk around you're like my god what's happened Mm. because you go to like most European countries especially France where there's just that almost base level of activity yeah and just they stay so healthy I think we're just a nation of snackers I think that's the problem we kid ourselves by having like healthy lunches and healthy dinners, but it's what's in between. Like, it's that like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, that's what I find personally. I'm like, why am I like still like putting on weight? And I'm like, well, actually, like, after that <laughs> yeah. salad in between that like bit of bowl, I did actually have like 17 packs of crisps, so that does make sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. And that's, it's like what we were saying earlier, how we all like fool ourselves into this, I'm eating the vegan, protein-rich, whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, calories are still a thing, <laughs> even if they are protein-enriched. Yeah, I Or organic or from whole foods, calories still count. Mm. Yeah, it's quite scary. I don't often do this because it turns a bit mad, but when I do occasionally track calories, they, can, they add up quite quickly on things that you're really not expecting them to. But I suppose there's obviously more to that. There's the nutrients as well. There's other, oh, God, other yeah. metrics, yeah. But. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, and that's thing we all say that, like, calories, like, the body can't beat physics mm. at the end of the day. But there is more to health than just calories in, calories out. Yeah, no, um, completely. But, yeah, it's just absolutely bonkers, the whole thing. So, I mean, in what have been some of your, like, big successes for you Ooh. since starting up the company? Um... That's well, that's a hard question. Okay. So I think getting people like seeing people in my stuff that I didn't realise that I had bought them, like whether it's on Instagram or like friends saying that, like, Oh, I saw someone walking around in your leggings or something, that's been really exciting. Just sort of outside the bubble that you think you're existing in, that people are actually buying and like using it, just as a real sort of self gratification about that. I don't know if that's the right word, you know, you feel really excited that people are just loving it and using it. Yeah. Um, I've been accepted into um, Sportachette, which is the biggest trade show for all the ski boutique buyers um, in March. So that's oh, really wow. exciting. So I can't wait for that. So. That must be a huge amount of like prep work and stress. Yeah, no, I'm trying not to think. Like, it was all like post-Christmas panic about this. So I think tomorrow I'm just going to write my list of what everything <laughs> that needs to happen and then sort of cry a bit. So. Yeah, I think everyone has that. Like, that sort of, They realise they're about to go back to work and they're like, ah, that's future me's <laughs> problems. I can deal with that later. Yeah, yeah, that's been like my whole Christmas. Like, so I, li- I, had my, I had my photo shoot for my winter collection the week before Christmas drove to and from France which nearly killed me then it was just like Christmas family and now I'm just like oh god all these things I've been pushing to the back for three weeks yeah are coming to fruition oh god yeah panic um yes that's super super exciting so um that's like a four day three or four day event so I'm one of the startups that you sort of apply to become a startup within um the trade show and then hopefully I'll get loads and loads of orders and I'll be in all the ski boutiques next year which is really exciting and just such an amazing platform because when you think that every for every hundred people that come on your website there's a one percent conversion rate on average yeah it's so hard it's terrifying business to get out there but then suddenly being in this huge arena with like the big boys like all the people that you'd love to eventually be on that level with and you're just like right next to them 
it's so exciting to all the people that are going to be suddenly aware of you and able to buy your products. It's going to be, hopefully, it's going to be a huge game changer. So yeah. I'm really excited about that. I'm really proud as well. I, ca- I can't remember who said it, but there was this great quote I heard years ago, which is, in a room full of people shouting, you either shout louder or you shout something worth hearing. And I think it's very much like that with your, with this, like, chance you've got now. Yeah, you've got just being really a bit different, yeah. What... Yeah, so it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see what people make of it and if they get it or not. But yeah, it'd be whatever happens. It'd be an amazing learning experience. Oh god, yeah. Um, also, I suppose um, that's a future success, future excitement. Um, but last this um, past summer, I've been lucky enough to be one of the um, startups within NatWest Entrepreneur Accelerator Program, which oh, is wow. sort of like an incubator for startups. So I think that was a massive moment for me, doing everything by myself, and then realizing that people with actual business experience and time and money and stuff were looking at my brand and saying this is something that we want to help with and get behind and sort of validating the whole thing so that was an amazing experience and so they provide sort of assistance and backup on all things like finance risk analysis marketing like everything like everything you just don't know because I always say I when I started this business I thought you get a product you take a photo of it and you just wait for the orders to roll in and how naive I was yeah. <laughs> oh my god I had the same thing I was just like right I'm gonna get qualified get myself into a gym and then uh, they'll come to me I know yeah and <laughs> I it was so so naive so naive but hope's a business plan right yeah it's true but you just don't know what you don't know and then being in this incubator has really opened my eyes to all these things that I didn't know and I should know because otherwise how are you going to find out like of course I had no idea that I needed to do like a risk analysis that featured global warming and like it seems obvious but like I don't know you just don't think of these things that and it's just been amazing to work with other businesses that they do everything they have businesses and fintech and they have businesses and recycling food and stuff like that so just being with other people not necessarily doing the same thing but just being in the same mindset and what are their problems oh maybe like that's one of my problems and how did they fix it oh, I can try and do like yeah, it's just yeah. been it's been such a good resource and I'm just really proud that they saw potential within the company which has been really exciting and I'm hopefully I'm um, going to go back for another six months um after ski season so fingers crossed that that's so cool but that's it, it it's really interesting you like saying that well, you can learn from people in fintech, you can learn from people in mm. you know, all these other different industries, because it really is a case of like rising tides, rise all ships. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, completely. I mean, it doesn't, like, maybe someone in fintech can't show me, like, where the best manufacturer for Lycra is. Like, but they can say, like, oh, you've got a problem on your website. Like, we had a similar problem. Like, at the end of the day, so there's so many things that unite all these different companies and businesses that even on the surface, they don't seem very similar. You can always help someone out. And actually, I think you gain so much from helping like, you, the reciprocal stuff that you didn't ask for yeah. just that sharing nature really really helps everyone and you're not losing anything like if your friends or your whoever the next door office is successful it doesn't make you not le- like, less likely to be successful everyone has their space like everyone can work hard enough and whatever get some of its luck some of it's been the right time but helping someone else is not going to make you less successful yeah if that makes sense and i think it's just it's good to get out of that scarcity mindset because not everyone is your competitor yeah you know what i mean like there's enough there's enough of the pie to go around for everyone and it's so exciting to see like your friends grow and their businesses evolve and like and they love seeing that about you and stuff so it's just yeah i really have 
enjoyed seeing the other other people on the the incubator evolve and when I open like the Telegraph I'm like oh wow that's one of their products or like there's a writer about that and then you think like well I can do this too and like they'll look out for stuff for me and it's just it's a really it's so great to have a community and it's really important to put people around you who understand what it's like to work by yourself and to have these problems that you wouldn't necessarily get in a normal office environment if people if you don't have people that understand that it can be very very isolating and very hard to vocalize like why you're having a bad day like why you're stressed out about something when people don't get it they don't sometimes they just don't get it yeah, no, I get that. And it's something that we do, um, the boys and I, is we have um, we have our own like private Facebook groups for our in- own individual clients, and we also have the Facebook page. But what we try and do is get everyone in the community to constantly try and talk mm. to each other and create that level of collaborative support for one another. Because like you said, you may not get what you need from one person, but someone else may have the emotional tools to give you what you need, or the, like, the logistical tools. Yeah. Whether that's a little bit of support here and there, I've had a bad day, does anyone have this, know where I can get hold of this? Mm. It's about creating community. It's so hard to, like, to keep plugging on in a bubble. You need like human contact. Like, I oh, think God, that's yeah. the problem when you're working by yourself. Sometimes you go through days and you're like, oh my God, I haven't actually spoken to anyone. And then you go to Sainsbury's and your voice is really funny. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> I've just been living in a shell. And it's so important to be around people that like help you out of that shell, but also at the same time understand that sometimes you absolutely have to meet this deadline and get your head down and then we'll do something afterwards. Like, you need the balance not to constantly just drag you out, but realise when... When to, when to coax you out and when to leave you. Oh, yeah, you yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's been something, like, I know that I've struggled with, like, in the first, like, few years of being self-employed. Like, some of your friends who are, like, you know, regular employment, mm. they don't necessarily get it that you can't come out and play on the weekend because all the days at end with a Y are your work hours. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so true. And, like, just because it's Sunday doesn't mean there's not something really important to get done and... It does, yeah. yeah, yeah. You do, I've start, stopped really like paying attention to what day of the week it is, apart from like business stuff, like sort of meetings, because it doesn't really matter. Like for me, a Monday is the same as a Sunday, and I still have to get stuff done. No one else is going to do it, so there's no point sort of thinking in that sort of seven day structure, which is really boring and sad. And I do look forward to the day like, when I'm just like, oh, the weekend. Now I'm just going to do nothing, but I think I'll get bored. I don't know. Well, when you go, that's when you go start up the next company. <laughs> yeah, that's And the true. next thing, and the next expansion, the next project. Mm. Is a serial entrepreneur just a serial failure? I don't know. It's hard to tell. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where it's like, when you can employ someone to work the bookend hours of company one, then yeah. you can start moving on to company two. Because I think it, you definitely have that like personality of... Um, that A type personality that constantly needs to be doing something. Like you can never just be the like. Ooh, I'm gonna you retire. haven't seen me like, on a Netflix binge. I can really just like. <laughs> Netflix just shows me the worst part of who I am. <laughs> oh god, yeah, no. And now, um, yeah, I just try, I try and avoid television in general because I just get sucked into it, and I just I don't really have time to be honest. So. Yeah. No. I said to my housemate when he uh, moved in with me a year ago, it's like so. Just one thing, non-negotiable. We're never getting a TV license. I was like, it's non-negotiable, sorry. It doesn't matter anymore, everything's online. No, well, no, I know, but I was just like, I can't have that, like, passive distraction, because at least with Netflix, Mm. you have to, you've got to log in, you've got to go through the rigmarole of finding something in the, like, the infinitesimal number. I've found something I'm not interested anymore, because it takes, like, half an hour to even find something you want to watch, so I'm just like, 
but that's the thing. That's the thing I never like got about the whole Netflix thing. Like the more Netflix you watch, the more it knows you, right? Like it spits out things that it thinks you will like. Yeah, it's creepy, isn't it? I, the algorithm's just constantly working. It, it, it's going to get to the point where I feel like I'm going to get like a call from my Netflix to tell me what they think I should watch. Like that's what I'm terrified of. Isn't it amazing to think it started as a VHR rental service? Oh, I know. It just seems like it's gone so far from that. But it's like Amazon, used books. I actually went past, um, yeah, no, that's true, which is bizarre, but you get incredible used book deals still on Amazon, so people who need a book go on Amazon, they're literally like 2p and you pay £2 postage. Unbelievable deals. So I think that still should be their, their core. I still think they make a lot more money than that than we... Like, could you imagine how much money they actually make off book sales alone? Like, especially, like, around universities and oh all that God, the yeah. stuff they offer. I mean, compared to Waterstones, and you're paying, like, 15 quid for a book... Yeah. It's... that You can't beat those prices. I know it's, like, a bit... might be a bit ratty, but it's a, a book's a book. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing I find really funny when people talk about how, like, it's, it's hard to become educated on something. It's like, for minimal financial investment, mm. you can buy a book on fucking anything <laughs> that you want to learn it's unreal but I think it's always too easy now and that's as we were speaking about before we started well, before we hit record um, people can sort of self um, educate but in the wrong way like you pick oh, yeah. up the, the fake news and you pick up the Instagram 15 second how to get fit whatever and that's actually you're, you're technically being educated you're learning something but you're not learning the right things for you or just maybe just like completely wrong yeah like I was, um, I was watching a video the other day, and it was about these like um, a nutritionist uh, rating these like crazy celebrity diets, and one of them was just like, for a year they just ate chicken fillets and salad with no dressing, every single meal, and she was like, you what? This is ridiculous. But someone might just pick this up and be like, well, they lost like however much weight, so I'm gonna do this, and you're just like, well, no, it's just you're only eating protein. You're gonna, I don't know. Keel over. Yeah, it's you to become so um, vitamin deficient. But it's just one of those things where it's like people need to sort of quantify, well, requantify what they consider to be success. Because I'm sure the, the chicken and salad guy looked fucking great, but was he happy? Miserable, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like a friend of mine sent me this study ages ago, and obviously, like, there's a study for proving absolutely anything. But it sent me a study showing that um, across the board. Mm. People who drank socially lived longer than people who did not drink at all. I've also heard that left-handed people die earlier. I think it's because it's, right, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a right-hand world. Yeah, in, the same way, in the same way that like, when people say, oh yeah, men, uh, men uh, die before women do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's got nothing to do with the fact that like, genetically we're men. It's the fact that men do stupid stuff. Like, do you remember oh the, my God, yes, do you, you. Do you remember the vodka challenge? Yes. Like that, yeah. And Only the- men died doing that because no woman would go, yeah, I'll take that random stranger who's called me out on the internet. I'll down a bottle of vodka. Wait, have you seen the <laughs> one where people are eating... Um, Tide pods. Yes. Oh, people are so silly. Oh, my God. The stuff you see online makes, yeah, it yeah. makes me really worry. I think our life expectancy is probably dipping again after these sort of trend, like tag your oh, friends I know, things don't. are getting around. It's just so depressing. The NHS probably is like, oh, God, not another one. The thing is, that just... There comes a point where, like, we need to re-examine, like, survival of the fittest as mm. a concept and also duty of care of the NHS. Like, do no harm. These people are harming themselves. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely bonkers. Cool. Yeah, it's still running. Yeah, don't, don't, no, <laughs> to make sure. No, it just, I suddenly saw it, it freeze and I was like, no, lag, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> All right, so back to sort of some of the final stuff. Um, we've gone through your successes. 
Oh, what would you, it's um, not time for the failure. Well, not necessarily failure. <laughs> no, what, what are the biggest lessons you've learned, either from, either from success or from failure? God, I think... I think you learn more from failing than you do from success because sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time and you can't pinpoint what it is that has made you a success. Yeah. Or not you, or like whatever the product, the the internet launch, whatever it is, it's so hard to know. I think with failure, you sh- it's so much easier to get to that the crux of what it was, which is actually so much more useful. So anyone who says that failing is terrible, that's how businesses are made. You know, whenever we talked to spoke about Netflix and, start- and Amazon starting in very niche areas, I'm sure there was big failures there which made them expand or change or pivot or whatever into the amazing, huge companies yeah. they are today. So any, any company that's at that level who hasn't failed on a regular basis... It probably just it doesn't doesn't exist. It's not viable. And if they do, like, what are they doing? And how can we all do it? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Because <clears throat> then you're Elon Musk. But even then, like, well, he's just um, being kicked off his the board of Tesla, hasn't he? I know, but I, he's he's a madman. Yeah, he's, no, I think we all. <laughs> like, no one disputes that. Yeah, like I genuinely think he's an alien. Like I think he's just on a completely different level to everyone else. Do you think he's just so rich? It just doesn't matter. He can just do always anything you, he wants. Did, did you see his interview um, on the Joe Rogan experience? Is that when he was smoking a joint? Yeah, but no, but so, but this, so this is the thing, right? Is the fact that first of all, I genuinely think he did that as a ploy. To try and people, I think, are a lot more calculated, either stupid or calculated. And most people, the calculated, yeah. When you're that level anyway, everything's a political, like a PR stunt. Yeah, but the thing that, like, it, it broke my heart a little bit was listening to um, Joe Rogan asked him, um, so what can people do to be more like you, to be as successful and productive and, you know, as well-read and intelligent as you? And he mm. just, like, de- deadpan just goes, you don't want to be me. Because he, well, can't, cause he can't turn it off. It's great responsibility. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like... Um, these children are celebrities, like the Jenners, Kylie Jenner and stuff. Like, so I, I imagine there's times where they just don't want to be famous, but they're just thrust into it. And then it is what it is. You know, you can't have a normal life or you're, you're so intelligent. You can't think things in like a, a normal way. You have to like quantify and rationalize everything. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard. Like, thank God I'm normal and vaguely intelligent. Well, yeah, you know, distinctly average. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to worry about I keep saying that people though, like, there's nothing wrong with being average. Like, by, by, yeah, stu- no. by stu- like, pure statistical power, everyone sits in the middle of the bell curve. Yeah, like, no, and I'm happy with that, you know, like, I don't want these great philosophical questions keep you up at night, I've got other shit to worry about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Anyway, yeah, going back on to um, failures. I'm glad, you're bringing, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing this train on so, the yeah, Maybe I'm slightly track. above average, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, fake some conversation. Um, I think one of the things... I definitely learned from at the beginning is that you have this idea and I think it's not just for retail or for clothes or whatever I think anyone who has this idea and has this like oh I need to bring this to fruition I need to do something about this thing that's in my head you get so excited that you jump the gun Mm. sometimes and like whether it's like launching your website too early or like going through the product development process too quickly because you're just so desperate to get something out there and I think I found that my first not so much my first two products, which are both leggings. That was great, and that went really well. But after that, I was like, I can't... I don't feel like a brand. I don't feel like a real company if I've only got two things online. So I need to... Where can I quickly get some more products? So I was just sort of 
doing t-shirts and jumpers and stuff which didn't really fit with my brand at all like they look lovely like really like 100% cotton feel great but they, they don't fit into my brand DNA as like the base layers of thermals they kind of sit to one side so I'd be telling people my brand is one thing and then they'd look my website and be like well actually most of your stuff is like outerwear or t-shirts it doesn't make sense so I was just so I didn't believe in myself enough to only have these two key products I felt I had to package other stuff around to make it look like a conventional shopping experience and I actually I saw another base layer company from I think they're Danish or something something Scandinavian and they've only got one set of base layers and that's it and they're just absolutely killing it they're just so proud of this one set all the social is just like plugging it and they've got loads of great people involved. And you'd, like, if you've got a good enough product, you don't need to get everything else around it. And I think I learned the hard way about just wanting to get stuff with my name out there. And yeah. at the end of the day, I love my brand. I love the logo and stuff. Does everyone else necessarily want that on the back of a t-shirt? Roby's looking at my sticker on my laptop. Which I love it. I, lo- <laughs> things, I love your logo. I think it's awesome. Like that's one of the first things. Like I remember when like we reconnected over social mm. media when I saw your brand, I was like... I love that. Like, yeah. I love that logo, but you, I know what you mean. It's not necessarily about. It's what not like you Calvin Klein. Want. You're like, oh, I really want Calvin Klein t-shirt. Like, yeah, it's a, at the moment. I'm yeah, I'm very small fish, so you have to take a step back and be like, okay, do they want my name on their jumper? Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. So I think yeah, that was definitely one thing I learned. But it's so hard when you're so excited and you just want to like, you want it to go and you want to take off and get started. Planning is really important. Also, just writing down your ups and downs like what what was the failure what was the success and sort of noting it and then when you look back a year later and you're like oh actually that didn't work because of that or that did work because of that otherwise you just forget and you can just make the same mistakes over and over again you fall into the same traps so just noting stuff that's really very boring but that's quite useful um any other epic failures um Doing my shipping out of France last year, shipping back to the UK, spent a lot of money on postage. That probably wasn't the smartest idea. So I would always recommend checking your postage tariffs before you take all your stock into the country. Um, I think it's something that cocks up every day, really. It's hard to pinpoint the main ones. But yeah, nothing so, so drastic that I've been, okay, this is time to draw a line under this. So I'll let you know when that happens. That's the, yeah. Well, hopefully that hopefully that never happens. But it's it. But I I think it's so important for the listeners to take away is that it like no matter what endeavor you want to go through in life, you are always going to experience some level of failure because you're trying to push your boundaries and mm. like everyone to like loves to talk about no risk, no reward. But the other element of that risk is you might fail, and that's okay so long as you learn. Yeah, I don't think. Well, the person who wrote that probably didn't ever get the reward. I don't know. I feel you're just never... If you really got have your heart set on doing something, you have to be able to roll with the punches and take the good and the bad stuff. And it's the bad stuff that makes the good moments so good. It's all about contrast. Like you need those lows to get those highs. And I think that's why people get addicted to sort of working through themselves and doing their own thing, because it's just... It's so, so much adrenaline when it goes right. You're like, oh, I've absolutely nailed this. And yeah, and two weeks ago I felt like shit and I thought nothing was going to work and look at me now. And then the next week you feel like crap again because like, I don't know, logistics have gone to the roof or your Instagram's gone down or someone's hacked. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, there's always something, but you just have to be able to just roll with it because it will, there will be highs and there will be lows. 
And I think it's just staying true to who you are and like doing the things that matter to you. Because like the big thing you said about having the um, additional stock, because you felt that that was what the market would required of you. Yeah, that wasn't true to you. Yeah, not you know at all. I mean? Like it's it's really I love having those things now because it means that like if everyone's like, oh I want to get something for my brother like can I like what do you have I've got like a bit of everything and now my my range has expanded more into thermals anyway it feels a lot more balanced. Yeah. So I'm not saying it was like the the mistake of all mistakes, but it sort of came at the wrong time. I think I it would make more sense me launching that now rather than right at the beginning yeah, but that's yeah, something yeah. you learn with time I had not I was just desperate to get something out and feel like a real brand because that's what other real brands did and yeah we spoke about this earlier I think with um you said you don't want to just try and be like the next Lululemon or the new Nike or whatever because people can tell it they can sniff it out if you're not authentic and you need to be true to who you are and otherwise you're just going to lose interest anyway and people just can tell if you're just trying to fake to be something else and they don't want something like you you know there's already one yeah be something else be something interesting yeah just be you mm. be original and there's a, um, another podcaster that I um, listen to called Matt Vincent and he's got this great thing where they're like you know I've got all these opportunities for people to invite me to like get them on my podcast and whatever but ultimately I've spent far too much time in rooms with people that I don't want to spend time with <laughs> And don't want to be with. Yeah. So he's got like this great thing where it's like, it's either a fuck yes or it's a fuck no. Like, yeah. it's just that black and white and it's that simple. Yeah, I think another thing I've learned, it's so important to know that you can say no. Just because you're a small oh, God, brand yeah. and you're trying to like get out there, not every opportunity is going to be right for you. And you're like, sometimes you're just going to lose money and you're not going to get anything out of it or you're going to lose product and you're not going to get anything out of it. So knowing, like having the balls to be like, actually, no. Yeah. I'm not doing this, but I maybe next day in the future when my brand is more aligned with your brand or like whatever when our leg, like when everything matches up or I'm in the right place and you're there as well. But do not feel you have to say yes to everything because you're not going to please everyone. Yeah. And you're not going to be everywhere at once. So. And I think it's that scarcity mindset where you automatically think there is no difference between saying no and burning bridges. Yeah. No. And it's not no forever. It's just no at this point. And I'm. I'm sure whoever it is that is on the other side of that no or yes, they understand and live by that as well. So mm. as long as you don't say like, no, I'm never going to work with you, like this is it kind of thing. Yeah, keep it open, keep a dialogue open, but it's not no, never. It's just no, not now. Yeah. I think a friend of mine um, has a great saying where he says that you can be for anyone, but you can't be for everyone. Mm. Right. <laughs> that's quite deep yeah I know it's quite deep I don't, I don't think I butchered that yeah you can you can be for anyone but, not but you for don't everyone. have to be for everyone yeah I don't know anyone that's just universally liked whether it's a brand person but if, car, if, if you're liked by everyone then you are not doing a damn thing like yeah I think especially for what I do like I'm not a jack of all trades this is quite a, like a specific it's, it's quite a specific business and yeah you just have to go with that and some people love it some people hate it some people will never ever ever use it because they just don't well some people never get a personal training you know they, yeah. just, they will never do that and there's nothing you can say to change it so find yeah find your core find your tribe and then if they love it they love it and if not like listen to them and tweak and figure out what it is they really want and give it to them I mean <laughs> my last my last question was going to be what would be your like parting words of wisdom but I think we've just we just got it. Oh wow! Okay, maybe I should think of something better. In order. No, I think you, <laughs> no, no, I think you crushed it. I think that was an amazing way to end it. Okay, well, finito. Right. Dro- mic drop. <laughs> yeah, mic drop done. Right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. God, no, not at all. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
Okay, guys, so that was my conversation with the incredible Henrietta Holderness. To see her company going from strength to strength has been an absolute privilege, and it was amazing to interview her and talk to her about just how important it is to live a life that is geared towards the things that you truly, truly care about. It's not about zeros in the bank account. It's about value and living a life worth living. So to support Henrietta, please do go follow her on all forms of social media, which you will find in the description box. And please do leave a five-star review of Talking Fit and help us grow as a podcast, as a company, so we can continue to show love to people like Henrietta. All right, so we will catch you guys next week. This has been Talking Fit. And until then, stay strong.